We are continuing our jaunt through Ephesians next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Ephesians, like no other book, lays out for us clearly what our lives are to be like as believers in Christ. And as we begin looking at chapter 5 of Ephesians, we do so with a series called Characteristics of the Child of Light, Becoming Imitators of God. Did you know that if you're a believer in Christ, one of the characteristics of your life is that you want to imitate God? Let's talk about that today, shall we? From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our teacher and pastor now, here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's edition of Truth For Today. Paul has just moved from saying we ought to be imitators of God, and now he goes to its opposite and tells us what we ought not to be. So now, uh, it seemed like in all great teaching, there's got to be the positive and the, the negative, as it were. So now he's telling us what not to be after having telling us what to be. So here he says, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are not proper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral impure or greedy person. Such a man is an idolater. Greed equals idolatry in the Bible. But no such person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now let me say this to you. The word of God must settle all debates, not people's experience. I often hear people say, well, I know somebody that's a Christian that's living this way. Or, uh, uh, you know, I saw them go forward, and uh, I know they're saved. Do you? Uh, the proof in, in the Bible is probably they obeyed to get baptized. That was heavily emphasized. And two is the new kind of life. If there's no fruit that says there's been a change of life, they're not changed. Quit telling them they are changed. Just leave the tension there. You don't have to accommodate their profession of faith. Nothing is as easy to do as to profess the faith and not live it. Profession does not save. Possession saves. You must truly have the goods. The church, I mean, you read magazines all the time, Christian America. This is not a Christian acting country. If you think 260 million people in this country are Christian, you're sadly mistaken. Uh, and so, uh, and by the way, I vote, and I am an American. But it's not acting like a Christian. That's why the Muslim world is confused. They see the West and all of its uh, immoral behavior and said, this is Christianity? We're better with Allah than you folks are claiming to be with Christ. Because we've got a multitude claiming to be saved that aren't. And most who claim couldn't even tell you how to be saved. So he leaves this tension here. Such a man, such a person, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. No matter what they, they I, I don't care if they went forward on Billy Graham or on me. One time, um, walking through the streets of Chicago, a guy yelled out, I said, Mr. Moody, 
And he said, yes. And he was laying drunk in the gutter. And he said, I'm one of your converts. And he said, you must be. You're not Christ's convert or you wouldn't be there. So when Christ saves someone, he saves. Let no one deceive you with empty words. What about these sins saying it's okay? Everybody's doing it. It's all right. There's no standard. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness. And I think it's powerful. You were the darkness. You weren't in it. He said, you were it. You were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. We know children of light just by these virtues, goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We're moving from the positive model of God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit to that environment and that culture of which Christians are saved out of. And uh, some have said the present-day United States is becoming more and more like the first-century culture of the New Testament in which they met here in the city of uh, uh, Ephesus, and they, their goddess for the city was Artemis, a sex goddess, a goddess of fertility. The Phoenicians had worshipped Artemis. And then the counterpart was Diana. And uh, if you study archaeology or anything about Diana, she was the multi-breasted goddess of the city of Ephesus. Uh, uh, sex and religion were one and the same. You went to the temple of Diana, and if you were a man, uh, you would be welcomed by a whole uh, barrage of sacred prostitutes that you could have your sex life at the temple and at the same time have a religious experience, quote, with your God. And that's the way, it was a powerful force uh, in Asia Minor that they married sex and religion, and it's the same dynamic of the Canaanite religions that Israel always had to compete with, that they would allure the men away, they would allure them and get them sexually and in lust, and then they destroyed their relationship with God. You must beware when you read the New Testament, he warns about the teachings of Balaam and the seductive doctrines of Balaam and the way of Balaam. The way of Balaam is this, the false prophet could not put a curse on the nation of Israel. He was working for the king who hired him to put a curse on them as they came out in the Exodus. But God withstood that false prophet, and he, the mule, if you remember, stopped in the road and tried to withstand him. Balaam failed as a prophet to pronounce a curse because God would not let him put a curse on God's people. But Balaam sold a plan to Balak. We can't curse God's people, but I'm going to show you how you can corrupt them. Let's put lewdly dressed women on the edge of the camp and get the men of Israel to lust for them 
And if they'll lust for them, God himself will judge them. And 23,000 men were killed in a day. He says, beware in the church of those who sell a plan to get you into sin. Jude 4 says, beware of the false teachers who deny the only Lord who bought them and turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, licensed to sin and live as you please. Beware, beware, beware. Now, everybody has a standard for conduct, even where they're not Christian, because they want to protect their own loved ones. The most immoral of men wants some standard that would protect his mother or protect his children. But for the believer, we don't need to wait for culture to come up with a standard. God is our standard. He's told us how to behave. And he's told us six things that we don't want to be a part of as part of the old life. And he names these six things. And let me uh, just basically tell you what he's talking about. He said, let's be rid of this matter of sexual immorality. And what are we talking about? Sex outside of marriage is immoral. Sex outside of marriage. God did not forbid sex. He, matter of fact, he gave sex to us for three things. Procreation. He gave it to us for pleasure. And he gave it to us as a prevention against immorality. He said, marry instead of fornicate. 1 Corinthians 7, 1. He told us the mandate's never been refuted, whether you like kids or not. The mandate was there. Sex wasn't given just for pleasure. God wants the earth to continue to be populated. God's more concerned there are people on the face of the earth than there are whales. And he's not against whales either. Did you know that the population growth of America is at zero, especially among Anglos? They say the, uh, there is a zero growth rate. Uh, because we've learned abortion and birth control, and we'd rather have uh, economics than we would children. So the Anglo population of America is not uh, reproducing. They say Mexican and uh, African Americans are the ones having the most children. But if it was not for immigration, we would be declining, would be declining in population. But immigration keeps the numbers up. So when we come to sexual immorality, what is that? It's everything they do uh, on uh, MTV. It's what all the sitcoms are about, that all of the uh, shows that project sex to our young people as a whole is sex between people that are not married. And he's telling them, get rid of this lifestyle. Do not be involved in sexual immorality. Uh, any sexual behavior outside the context of marriage is forbidden for the believer. And so it's uh, in our day, well, we're in a postmodern era that says, number one, there are no absolutes, which is an absolute statement. And in a culture that says, uh, if you feel like it, do it. If it feels good, do it. Don't restrain any passion. Uh, do it. Uh, because restraints are evil. It's the pressure in school, colleges. There are no moral standards that they could teach because they've thrown away scripture. They've thrown away authority. And so you don't have an authority to teach your kids morals. But if you're a believer, you come to believe the word of God and you let God have the final say. Amen? 
So instead of, if it feels good, do it, you say, sometimes it doesn't feel good to say no, but it sure does feel right. It's feeling right and doing right that counts, not feeling good. You can get high on some real great drugs in a moment, and let me tell you, you may feel good, but you won't feel good after all. It'll strip you of everything. So he says, don't do this. Don't be a part of it. And uh, why do you have to teach believers morals? Because they were under the temptation to go back. And I see in our church, in our culture, uh, I'm amazed to find if someone really has a strong moral code, especially if they're young people. They, they, they may not do it because the parents say don't do it, but to say God doesn't want me to be immoral. That they can say that with conviction. Uh, he goes on to say impurity. Uh, n- n- no kind of impurity. And this word was excessive, unrestrained living. And it was used of unrestrained sexual behavior. And it, it, he took on there every kind. I mean, the gamut's out there. I, we can't limit the word to whatever. But he said, every kind of impurity, whatever. Just don't do it. Don't. My dad said, you can't keep from smelling like skunks if you're handling them. So quit handling that which will defile you. Whether the internet, porno, uh, you know. You know what makes you dirty. Stay away from it. He said, and also greed and uh, greed seems a little odd to be here, but it could be uh, the greed for another body, not just money. Greed is unrestrained lust, unrestrained desire for more, ruthless cravings. And the object could be, uh, it could be a car, it could be money, it could be another body. And he ties it right here to the sexual issues. So I think he's probably right here saying, watch that covetousness that you covet your neighbor's wife and you cover, covet his goods. And right out of the Decalogue, beware of greed, the lustful nature of human beings, that desire for more, that I will never be satisfied. One woman won't be enough for me. I need more. I need more. He says, beware of that because that attitude is idolatry. Because you're saying whatever that object is you've got to have, that becomes your God. I won't be fulfilled until I get that object. Money, human being, whatever. He said, that's idolatry. You may not bow down to wood and stone, but God sees you bowing down to the thing you lust for. He said, beware of it. Don't go back to that. Then he goes on and says, beware of how you talk and what you talk about. See, it's easy to know when someone gets saved, they get morals for one thing. Right? Turn the heat down. Turn, uh, they get morals. Uh, two, God changes your mouth. And he says, no obscenity. And it means disgraceful, vulgar speech. Get rid of uh, that which is obscene. Uh, and in this context, I'm sure it's in the area of sexual innuendo and vulgarity. And then he says, get rid of foolish talk. And it's the talk of fools, moronic, just empty rattling, uh, going on, saying nothing, uh, contentless speech, just uh, endless chatter that says nothing, uh, has no message to convey. It's just the chatter of fools. He said, don't be involved in that kind of, uh, that talk. Be rid of it. 
And then he said, coarse joking. Don't be doing that. And the word literally, uh, it's only used here in the New Testament, this word. But it, it originally was used good, in a good way by the classics. And it meant wittism. You were a witty person. You were, um, uh, you know, you, wit takes insight. But they learned to do it with double meaning. They learned to speak in wittisms in which uh, it was sarcastic, put you down, inhumane, and probably in this context, sexually offensive, sexually suggestive, uh, innuendo, Saturday Night Live, you know, the sitcoms. Uh, most of your comedy today is vulgar. Uh, I, I grew up on comedy, Carol Burnett, uh, Amos and Andy, uh, Sid Caesar, Imogene Coca, you know, Durant. I'm dating myself, but anybody remember them? You didn't have to talk about your sex organs to make something funny. It was true humor. Today, I love comedy. Do you have any problem with that? Good. Uh, if you're happy, notify your face, you know. Uh, that I have no problem. That I love humor. I don't think I've always been good at it, but I, I am the joke. I don't tell jokes that well. But it's, it's wonderful but boy, you get around something, there's nothing clean around certain crowds. Everything has a bent, a twist, it's turned to come out dirty. Because to the defiled, everything's defiled. To the pure, everything's pure. So you must avoid being around this kind of talk. You get with a bunch of men working on a dock, you get with a bunch of guys at a construction shack and with all the playboys on the wall, Sometimes all you're going to hear is suggestive, double-meaning, dirty talk all day. He said, God saved you from this. Don't go there. Don't be there. You imitate God the Father. You've been called to be a holy people. It should not be a part of our behavior. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stay away from it. Now, I'm going to just say, before we look at... Uh, uh, the reasons why, five motives for being pure uh, that Thessalonians gives us. Uh, I made a little plug that I think being humorous is something that uh, we ought to work at. Uh, I would say to us as Christians, take God serious, but not yourself too seriously. Uh, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, go to the zoo. Uh, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, look around who's made all the different personalities and backgrounds and stuff. God has a great sense of humor. And uh, there are more funny things in life. I remember when I first got saved, my brother Paul told me, he said, if you'll keep your eyes and ears open in this church, you'll have something to laugh about all the time. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. I mean, there was more funny stuff, nothing dirty. Uh, uh, last night, uh, it was amazing. Uh, uh, after we had a great time of welcoming our missionaries back, uh, some of my girls called the wife and one of the grandchildren got sick a son-in-law got locked out of the car uh, that wasn't bad enough until he got home and he got locked out again uh, my, uh, Deborah was locked out I mean by the time they got through telling all this stuff talk, Carolyn uh, laughed so much I mean it went on about 20 minutes I said I'm going to bed I can't take this I want to be godly I want to get out of here uh, just, I mean, it was funny stuff. And uh, I discovered years ago, the laughter in my home was primarily for my wife. Uh, 
you'd think I would be the one because uh, I act nutty. And, uh, but I, I just, one day I was just sitting reading and when her brother calls, they spend uh, all their money laughing for 30 minutes on the phone. He lives in Salt Lake and the, just the two of them, uh, I would say 50% of the conversation is laughter. I mean, it's just laughing. I think, and I think, man, we're paying two bucks an hour, you know, <laughs> for laughter. Why don't you guys just record that? And I'll play it. Uh, and, and I'll see, if the girls come over, a lot, of, you know, uh, we now have like a very peaceful home until they come. And uh, the empty nest kind of boredom that we love. Uh, and uh, they'll... Uh, They'll come over, or, or if they call their mother, I'm telling you, it's, it's marvelous. I have to say, uh, God put the laughter in my home, in my wife, and those kids. It's wonderful. Because I've been the intense man of God. <laughs> studying the Word. Be quiet, kids. I've got to pray. Now, my study for years has been the basement, and Carolyn says, I hate it that you study at home. I want a home, not a study. I don't care how many sermons you get. Couldn't you do it at the church? I said, no, everybody finds me there. It's too, I, man, I, but she say, you know, because keep the kids quiet while I pray. You got to be kidding. We got a home to laugh. We got a home to enjoy. Let me tell you, being sober, somber, and non-humorous is not more godly than the folks that laugh going through life. Laughter doeth good like a what? Good medicine. Some of you could get rid of some of your medicines if you just start laughing. <laughs> the heart, the merry heart doth good. And so that coarse jesting is not humor. I think we need to laugh more. We, now, it, we're, we're in a world that you weep much, but we ought to weep much and laugh much because we've got the joy of the Lord, right? And so that uh, if God gives you the opportunity to laugh, laugh. And if God gives you someone in your home that's uh, ahead of you, uh, as he's done for me, I really, it hit me that day. I, I went to my wife when I, it hit me. I said, you know what? You have been the laughter mood setter. And I've loved music and all that, but always intense, always church work, always prayer meeting, always a scripture, always this. We ought to, we ought to. And Carolyn's the one that introduced me to vacations. The girl can vacation for life. <laughs> I, I really mean, because when I, we first went on vacation, when we first got married, we, I lasted two days. We, we got this trailer, we loaded up with food. Man, we went, we're going to be campers. Two days, I'm bored to death. I said, we got to go home. <laughs> Why? Well, I brought two attaches full of books anyway. I said, I, I'm bored. I'm bored. Sit with me here? I, well, I just don't know how to relax. It's a sin to relax. Souls are going to hell. <laughs> so do you think you're going to save them all? They're going to go and you're going to have a nervous breakdown. Balance. It's tough to figure out balance. Some of you don't need more work. You need a little rest. You don't need more intensity. You just need to learn to Crack a smile once in a while. Kind of send out a notice to the kids. They'll have to get used to it. We are people of extremes. But he's saying avoid the dirty side of life, but don't give up the funny side of life.
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us. And we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864 or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship, and you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Music.